Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash fmlfpl. Oh, hi there. Walsh here. Got a fireside chat lined up for you today with Dr. Bradley Rettler. He's a longtime pod listener, friend of the pod, discorder. He is a philosophy and critical thinking professor at the University of Wyoming. He's published 14 papers on metaphysics, philosophy of religion, all sorts, and has a book coming out in a few months about philosophical case for Bitcoin. We will not be talking about Bitcoin, but that's just what's happening for Brad in his world. Brad, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, happy to be here. Cool, man. So, you know, we're going to weave FPL into this little bits and bobs when it's applicable, but, you know, kind of the over overarching theme that we want to touch on is kind of just, right, how do we make decisions? How do we reason? What are problems that come up for us when we are trying to reason? And, you know, how do we think and think through things? So, you know, maybe you want to kick it off, Brad, by sort of just hitting some of the main points of that, like, how do we reason as human animals? Yeah, so we'd like to think that when we are trying to come to conclusions about what to believe, that we are assessing the evidence and we have all the evidence and we're looking at it objectively and accurately measuring how much the evidence supports uh, the thing that we are considering believing and how much evidence is on the other side. And then we dispassionately weigh it and we come to a decision. Um, And that basically never happens because we believe too many things. We, we simply don't have the time to accurately do this. And so throughout our evolutionary history, we've learned to offload this reasoning process by taking a bunch of shortcuts. Um, so, you know, if you're a, a caveman and you're near some bushes and the bushes rustle, you could like put on your reasoning hat and be like, wow, well, that could be a dangerous animal, or it could just be the wind, or, you know, think of all the possibilities, and then decide what's most likely. Or you could just run. And the person who runs is far more likely to survive (laughs) than the person who does all this reasoning. And so we developed these shortcuts for uh, things that we do, and they were evolutionarily adaptive and 
unfortunately, they often lead us astray. And so I think we're going to talk about a lot of the common ways that we get led astray. Yeah. And I mean, we're not fight or flight, you know, are we going to die necessarily, right? We're sort of for this trying to evaluate which shortcuts are like helpful, right? So that we have more awareness there with picking Foden this year, because this is Foden's year, right? Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, <laughs> when we try when we start thinking about Foden, all that fight or flight stuff still kicks in. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's a mess. <laughs> um so, you know, some specific problems you kind of you sent me this very comprehensive and cool outline with a lot of, you know, psychobabbly critical thinking terms, but, you know, what are some of those that, you know, you feel like really link most to, you know, when we're sitting there trying to figure out the four or five defender? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the the most common that we talk about a lot, we'll, we'll try to maybe talk about some that don't get brought up very often. You know, you hear like uh, recency bias a lot sure. and confirmation bias. People probably have a pretty good idea of that. Um, one of the things that we don't hear much about is uh, evidence primacy effect. Um, the, I think that's one of the more interesting ones. Um, that's when we give information that we have received first more weight than information that we've received later. And the psychological studies that show this are really fascinating. You can watch videos of people, and in one video, they'll be doing something really mean, like punching an old lady. In the next video, they'll be doing something really nice, like, you know, handing a kid an ice cream cone or whatever. And then you ask, like, how nice is this person? And what we answer depends totally on what order we see the videos. Gotcha. If we see him punching an old lady first and then giving kid an ice cream, we're like, oh, that's a terrible person. That must be his nephew or something. And if we see them give the kid the ice cream first and then punch an old lady, we think, oh, that old lady must have done something to him. Uh, he seems like a nice guy. Sure. So the order that we get the exact same evidence um, matters as to what we think about it. it. It sort of restricts the range of how we interpret um, the person. So I think this is super important for FPL. So it's basically just giving appropriate weight to first impressions and not allowing that to oversize and overwhelm, you know, the first 20 games. Instead, you're really thinking or crystallizing the first three games you saw. And like, this is really who the player is versus, wait a minute, you know, games four to six are just as important as games one to three. Yeah, exactly. And okay. it might even just be the first, you, you flip on the TV, you see match of the day and you see like an amazing shot um, from outside the box. And you think, oh man, this guy's awesome. Yeah. And then you start, you know, seeing worse play later on. And you think yeah. to yourself, well, you know, the team must you're making excuses very well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's not fitting your narrative or what you want to believe based on that initial impression. Yeah. Or you see okay. a, or you see a goalkeeper, you know, make a an absolute howler. And then you see a couple of good saves after that. And you're like, I yeah. must have gotten lucky with those. Yeah. Because um, I know he's terrible. <laughs> I know for a fact. <laughs> Beyond all reasonable doubt, he's terrible. Well, I mean, I guess something that's just coming up talking about this and has been on my mind, you know, preparing to talk to you is, you know, where I don't see the words emotion or feeling or, or anything <laughs> here. So, I mean, that obviously, those first impressions, you know, what we want to believe, whether we romanticize a player or they remind us of something else that makes us feel warm and cuddly. I mean, do, do you kind of espouse, you know, you need to try to 
pay attention to that. But when you're actually clicking the buttons and playing the game, that you know, to to make optimal decisions like that needs to be removed to the best of your ability. Or is there room for that to like, help the emotionality? I I don't think in in the FPL context that it helps yeah. at all. Not at um, all. I think in some contexts oh, emotions are are good guides to truth, but like if if you feel warm fuzzies from like watching Phil play or Raz, yeah. So I have to take Raz out of my team right now as you're telling me. Raz is an interesting case, especially with this evidence <laughs> primacy effect. Do you remember he was 4.5 when he was starting yeah. for Liverpool? And yeah. he was like, when oh he my was god, like this 4.5 guy, I love him. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to let go of that feeling of love. And you start making excuses for why he's not getting picked. And you think, um, yeah, as you said in the last pod, that he has hat-trick potential. Um, even though I can't remember the last time that he had hat-trick was. But no, we, we don't have to talk about that part. Because we love him. Because <laughs> we love him, exactly. So, yes, that this is a case in which emotions <laughs> might lead us astray a little bit. We yeah. want Raz to be good. So this is our this is motivated reasoning. We're motivated to find reasons that Raz would be a good pick. Because then we can have him in our team and it'll seem reasonable. And we know that we're supposed to be reasonable. Um, I think you might... Might be better than most people at being like i just like this guy i'm picking him because i like him um but most I can people keep raz <laughs> yeah you can permission keep to raz. keep raz <laughs> <laughs> only you though everyone else who actually thinks he's a good pick they're not allowed to keep him. <laughs> sorry keep going he's not he's not objectively a good pick at this no. point no, he's not. He's subjectively a good pick and <laughs> well I guess that also right comes back to what are our expectations, right? Why do you, not you, Brad, but like you specific human being listening to this podcast play FPL? You know, if it is to get the best finish you want, then this is all the kind of shit that you should, in air quotes, should be following or being mindful of, right? Like that's kind of what we're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm presuming that you're just, your goal is to get the best score yeah. that you can. Yeah. Yeah, which... As some people know, play FPL for other reasons yeah. <laughs> to be perverted but for perversion purposes exactly um okay yeah so that's a good one evidence so so just also taking that to the next step so i mean i guess something that i think of is you know okay so you watch first couple games Ange is at spurs oh my god maddo's playing inside forward blah 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 first three games happen and you're like shit maddo's great and then he goes on a cold spell for a few games. What are you kind of looking at to find out, is this that, you know, evidence first thing? What was the thing called? I already forgot. Evidence primacy. <laughs> yeah, evidence primacy where it's like, no, this is really who he is. And, you know, these tweaks in the system or like you find reasons. Okay, he's playing wider. You know, when do you <laughs> sort of or what are what is sort of like the loudest information that you're really looking for when you're maybe being patient or making a twist or yeah, I know, that's I, a big I, question, I guess. But yeah, I think your goal is to look at all the evidence that you have. Um, and to, if the evidence that you have under determines doesn't settle what you ought to do, then you should, you know, search for more evidence. So you want to look at Ange and you want to look at um, formations. You want to look at whether the team's playing the same in the last three games as they were the first three games and how that compares. Um, what you don't want to do is just pick one bit and say, look, Maddo played those first three games beautifully, so he must be a good pick. Team's just going through a dry spell right now. You also don't want to say, um, these last three games, Maddo's been terrible, so something must have happened. This isn't the same team that it was. Defenses have figured them out and just playing a different way or something like that. Um, 
we don't want to discount the original evidence, but we also don't want to discount the new evidence. We want to match these up and try to tell an, an accurate story about okay. what's happening. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, I'm seeing the neglect of total evidence you sent over when someone updates selectively on some new evidence, but not other bits of new evidence that are relevant. I mean, I guess that's something diff- It's you know, it's one thing if you're picking Heinz ketchup or Hunt's ketchup and, you know, you just taste them and you're like, I like this taste better. Cost is this right where you can really refine it. But I guess in FPL, like part of the issue is what is the evidence? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we have to even, even deciding that is a challenge, right? Like which pieces should we, is it XG? Is it this? Like it's all small sample sizes, right? I mean, what do you do, you know, with your advanced degree in thinking like what do you what do you pay attention to in fpl well i mean you know i i finish barely in the top 200k so it's not you know i i teach this but i don't know i don't know how to do it um well no no one does i guess but you're good you're good okay you're good um Yeah, yeah. yeah so so i guess i try to so one of the stepping back a minute, one of the problems with this is that when we introspect about our reasoning, it never seems bad to us. It always seems like we're doing we're perfectly. We're totally objective. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like we can think, <laughs> wait a minute, am I subject to one of these cognitive errors that Brian was talking about? Oh, yes, I was. It was this one. Um, we, it just doesn't seem to us like we ever engage in confirmation bias or motivated reasoning. It always seems like we're following the evidence. So I think trying to take a step back and think about the totality of the evidence that we have and recognize maybe the players that we love, we we should maybe wait for a little bit more evidence before we decide to bring them in. You know, Martial gets put up top for United, scores a brace, and we're like, it's time. Bring him in. I love yep. that guy. Great clubs. Been there before. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, may- maybe we remember. So some people might have done that in the past and thought, oh, I'm not falling for that again. Um, I've done that the last three times and it's never worked. Um, so experiences where we've had emotional connections yeah. tend to come to mind sure. more quickly when we're considering players than people that we don't. So, you know, I'm considering putting Pickford in my team, uh-huh. uh, but I'm an Everton fan and I've uh-huh. watched the Everton That's defense jeopardy. for, for several jeopardy. seasons. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of positive feelings towards Pickford and I have a lot of negative feelings towards the Everton defense in general. Sure. And so I'm trying to weigh this emotional connection that I have. And I remember, you know, brilliant saves that Pickford has made. And I remember terrible, um, defensive play from every single one of the defenders. And so I have to think to myself, are these just coming to mind because I care and they're connected with something important to me? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or is this an indication of what the defense is actually going to be like this year and that clean sheets are unlikely to happen? Yeah. And I mean, how much do you remember those saves he doesn't make because his arms are one foot long? Yeah. Who's to say? It depends sometimes on the context. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I kind of push back a little bit to that notion that, you know, when we introspect that we sort of find that we're doing it right or doing a good job. I think that kind of depends more on the individual, don't you think? Because, I mean, being able to understand yourself and, and where you really, what your tendencies are, is how we change and evolve and, and, you know, right. So, I mean, like you're saying, you're going through this, you know, exercise of 
Pickford, you know, why Pickford? And you, you kind of look at, okay, well, I do have emotional attachment to him and the team. So, right. How is that? Cla- I mean, I think that that's like high level ability of understanding what you're doing. I mean, you probably make the wrong choice at the end because we usually do, right? With this, definitely. but I don't know. I mean, is that a stretch? I, some people are definitely better at being aware of their own biases than others. Are. Okay. But in, in most cases, it's because they've worked on it. It sure. doesn't come naturally to us. We, we like to think of ourselves as good reasoners and as not being subject to bias. And so facing the fact that we might be wrong, that we might be approaching things the wrong way is uncomfortable and we prefer not to do it. So we make excuses yeah. and we think if, if I was doing something wrong, I would notice it. Yeah. I mean, it's humility, really, right? I mean, being able to, like for me, playing FPL, like I'm bad at FPL. I know that. And I tell anybody that, and I believe that, and I'm confident in that, you know, versus me being ashamed of that. Like, oh my God, I have a fucking pod. I'm supposed to be an expert. Like, how can I be so shitty at this game? You know, it's like, whatever, right? (laughs) It's a fucking FPL. So, I mean, you know, I think whenever we can kind of do that is it helps us like sleep at night, right? And just have peace with what we do. Yeah. And I yeah. think it helps us be aware that, you know, our, our decisions aren't always the right ones. Maybe in yeah. playing FPL, we sort of underrate how good we are at reasoning because there's yeah. so many people in the game and we have we have various targets of how many points to get. And yeah, we look at our team and we're like, oh God, no, no clean sheets this week. I suck at this yeah. game. Yeah. Um so it might I mean, go the, the impossibility. <laughs> yeah, like the impossibility of the game is not really recognized mm-hmm. firmly enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely in there, in and around there that you know people probably don't think enough about to really realize like what what are we actually doing? We're competing against ten million people, and yeah. So, all right. So another one you you put on here, which I think is really relevant, is that sort of echo chambers. Um, which you know you you define as a feedback loop that occurs uh, when our sources of information and opinion have all been selected to support our opinions and preferences. I guess you know what is might maybe predetermined there. So with <laughs> FPL, I mean, how do you you know people? You're on on this podcast, like you know you you take a you take in this piece of information, but you know how do we broaden ourselves so that we don't get stuck into that? You know, oh, suddenly razzes in your team listener who's listening to this. Yeah, it's hard. Um, anyone who listens to multiple FPL podcasts might find this situation where they listen to one and they decide what transfer to make, and then they listen to another one and they decide on a different transfer, and then they listen to a third one and they decide, it, and they're just sort of being pulled in whichever direction the people that they're listening to uh, recency bias want to go. It's it's. More like sort of offloading the authority for decision-making to someone else. Avoidance. Like these guys have a, yeah, avoidance of responsibility, Mm, maybe. Okay. Um, So then you might think, I want to make certain kinds of picks. I want to use certain kinds of things to make those picks. Maybe I want to use statistics or maybe I want to use the eye test. And so I'm going to listen to podcasts or follow people on Twitter who approach the game the way that I do, uh, whether it's a particular team. So I'm going to make sure that I only follow FPL content creators who are United fans, um, or it's a method of decision-making. I'm only going to follow people who are in- using stats-based things. Um, we don't get outside opinions, and we can become comfortable with 
you know, this small group of people and we think this is what everyone thinks. This is how everyone's approaching the game. And depending on for what reasons you picked the, the echo chamber that you're in, um, it might be that you're not getting relevant evidence because okay. you've, you've insulated yourself from it. So how, I mean, I guess you could sort of theorize or argue that we are all in an echo chamber of sorts. But I mean, what do you do to break free of that to say, okay, I am evaluating a broad range of perspectives and opinions, you know, for FPL specifically? Yeah. So one way is to not listen to anyone. <laughs> um, okay. If, if you're... That, yeah. My ears are peak nags. That's what I did. That's what I decided yeah. <laughs> to do years ago. Yeah. So you're not on Twitter, right? You don't... The, what, what happens, at least what I've seen on Twitter and in some seasons, and I'm not really on FPL Twitter as much, um, but you get one person's draft at the beginning of the, you know, as soon as the game launches. And then everything else is like a version of that. And people mm. are just tweeting similar. I mean, you can't tweet exactly the same draft or it doesn't get attention, but it's just variations on this one theme. And nobody is, you know, outside of the mainstream picking Raz and Foden and, you know, all these other low, low, uh, ownership picks so the conversation when we talk about like the meta or the twitter template or whatever um it's because these people are all talking to each other and they're all taking in evidence from each other and at a certain point you don't actually have to do any research yourself you can just regurgitate the research of other people which is much easier and then you get even more echoes because there's nothing new being added at any point. It, it literally yeah. is just combining two things and putting it out. And then someone combines okay. what you said with something else. Mm -hmm. um, so it takes a lot of effort to figure out who isn't doing that, <laughs> who right. is like looking on their own, doing their own research to figure out um, whether it's stats based or eye test, you know, who's watching video of Ange's team um, from last year and figuring out what the fullbacks did or, you know, who's the target on set pieces or something like that. Yeah. Um, those are the people that are valuable to follow. They're usually mm -hmm. not FPL people. <laughs> they're usually. Yeah, they're footy people. people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We took it all, we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I have. I'm obviously on our Discord all the time. So I do consult and see opinions and talk to people every day, you know, about FPL or the game or whatever. So I am taking in that information, but I don't, I mean, this is unique to me, but I found back when I used to actually listen to other FPL pods, it would like confuse me as to who I am, <laughs> like and what I believe, because like I'll be listening to someone I respect and they're talking about, you know, Sheffield, United's like left flank is really susceptible. So, you know, they're playing Arsenal. So the, the right winger is going to fucking destroy and explode. And then I'm sitting there. I'm like, Oh, 
you know, I didn't know that. Obviously, I'm not like fucking tactically analyzing like the left flank of some shitty ass <laughs> team in the Premier League. I don't know what that's a different level of perversion, but <laughs> it's not my not my kink. But I I think about it over and over in my mind, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this has to be true. Like this is the case. I'm not captaining the striker. I'm going to captain the right winger because yeah, like look at this, right? The left flank is the, whatever. There's center backs over, and then the striker scores a brace, and the winger just like makes some passes and gets and does nothing. And I kept finding myself in that sort of scenario repeatedly, right? Where I'm just like, what am I actually getting out of this? Because what all I am really getting is more confusion. <laughs> so yeah. I decided, right, just like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to listen to anything because then I also like wouldn't even be aware if I am taking something I heard and then reframing it or rephrasing it and saying it with a lawn as though it's mine. And then I was like, I mean, I had to have done that before because it's human nature. But then I'm sitting, I was thinking of that and like, that's fraudulent. Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm plagiarizing the pod, and that's bad. You know, I mean, they're just like all these things are going through. So I just, I just ejected. And I don't know, maybe that is avoidant. You know, maybe it's just like it's too hard for me or it's too complicated of a problem for me to deal with. So I'm like, let me just like remove the hood of the, you know, plane and just fucking fly out on the parachute. But it's hard to curate, you know, the people you talk to and the information you, you input, right? Yeah. I mean, you, what, it sounds like what you're saying is, I didn't want to be one of the echoes. <laughs> I wanted to be someone who was saying something new. And the only way for me to do that, given human nature and our tendency to repeat what we've heard, is for me not to do anything. And I feel like, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I, I'm i a Patreon subscriber to exactly two podcasts. One is the Blue Room Everton podcast and one is this one because <laughs> I hear a lot of echoes in other places. And then I hear something that's right or wrong, not an echo. Um, when I listen to FML FPL. So yeah, I think it's a way of succeeding and not being part of the echo chamber. I also think in relation to the specific example you gave with Sheffield United, um, it sounds smart, right? It yeah. sounds like something an analyst yeah. would say. And then you're like, not everyone knows this. So <laughs> I'm special because I yeah. know this. Whether or not yeah. I noticed it myself, I, I'm someone who sees something deep and interesting. Remember the the year that everyone triple captain dunk <laughs> because they were like, the, yeah. he's, he's got these two games and yeah. he's been getting so close on set know. pieces. And I didn't triple captain dunk because that's, me. I mean, yeah. that's stupid. But so many people were doing that. They were convincing yeah. themselves that it was the right thing to do. I and know. I sort of, I have this like um, underlying narrative where someone just made that up to see if it would, <laughs> if yeah, anyone like it, would do it. And then all yeah. of a sudden it became this widespread thing that in retrospect sounds incredibly dumb. Um, yeah. But that happens, I think, all the time with triple captain and when to use bench boost and what to do with uh, blank game weeks and all these kinds of things. It becomes everyone, you know, saying the same thing in, in order to try to sound smart about what they're, how they're approaching FPL. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, I mean, I captain Yannick Balassi one, once upon a time, so triple captain him. So I, I don't know, <laughs> I like to stand over here, but I wanted to ask you a question. I had a question about one of the uh, other aspects of the outline is uh the deciding in advance mm -hmm. um about like kind of how to not make an error and i i just like super didn't understand this one so could you maybe explain that and teach yeah. teach teach that to us yeah so i think i think there's a a couple concepts to understand first um so deciding in advance is a strategy for 
counteracting these biases that we have. Um, so one of the, I think, most important biases for FPL is a phenomenon called optional stopping. So optional stopping is when you are searching for evidence and then you stop, but you haven't decided in advance oh, when you're going to stop. <laughs> so, so the way I do it is like, okay, I want to bring in Raz. Um, so I know I shouldn't just bring him in because I love him. I should have some good reasons. So I'm going to go look at his XG. Oh man, his XG is really falling off the cliff, but XG doesn't tell the whole story. No, I'm going to go look not. for touches in the box. Yeah. Uh, touches in the box isn't very good. Uh, I'm going to go look for goal involvements per 90. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe you look for 10 and finally you get to, you know, time, time spent in the box per 90 or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, he's like top five. That's yeah. the one that really matters. Yeah, like so he's I'm up there with Mbappe? Like, yes, okay. <laughs> exactly. Bye, bye. Click, click, click. <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't like decided in advance. Here's the, here's the metrics that I think are the important ones. And I'm going to look. And if, you know, whoever is at the top of these, I'm going to take. Obviously, the most important metric is the ICT index. So we should just get whoever's <laughs> at the top of the ICT index all the time. But we try, deep you know, Let's we try to play the game differently. <laughs> um, so, you know, you see how low Raz is on ICT and you're like, ah, oh, that doesn't matter. Um, but if Raz was number one in ICT, you would have stopped and you would have been like, well, there it is. Number yeah. one, I'm bringing him in. Um, so we'll keep looking for evidence until we find evidence that supports what we want to believe and then we stop. Um, so, so deciding in advance, so is that presupposing like, I don't give a shit what the evidence is, I'm buying Raz and I click no, the button no, before it's doing deciding, it? It's deciding in advance exactly where I'm going to look and for what evidence. So you're and deciding in advance the metric, not exactly. the decision. It's yeah. the decision in advance is XG is going to be my number one deciding factor. That's what I'm yeah. going to use to guide me. And then and, just and I'm, reverse and then engineer from there. I'm not going to make excuses when I... Um, oh, find yeah. a Challenge. player that I yeah, love yeah. who Challenge has accepted. terrible XG. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. We'll, we'll see how that goes. That's interesting. So, and maybe yeah, it's, I mean, maybe it's, it's the eye test. Like I'm, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch the last Chelsea game that Raz started. And yeah. if he looks good to me in that game, then I'm gonna buy him. Forget that. Bad, it's gonna be my feeling of watching him. You're saying, yeah, but e yeah. even that, at least it's so. There's some subjectivity there. Um, but what you what you don't want to do is say, okay, I'm going to watch the last game. And then you think, oh, he looked terrible. I'm going to watch the game before that. You know yeah, what? Yeah. Chelsea really haven't played him the way that um, <laughs> I mean, Pochettino's probably going to yeah, play yeah, him. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to watch that. a Southampton game from 2010. <laughs> exactly. Of yes. like, oh yeah, he's going to be like Redmond or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I mean, I that's think who he truly is. <laughs> yeah, of course. He's truly this other player in this other time alternate universe. Well, I think it's an interesting concept because we're so conditioned, I think, in FPL to look at the play player and make our decisions based on, okay, Bruno, okay, Saka, okay. But I mean, you can look at a stat or a few stats and forget the names of the players, like just delete that column and decide based on that. If you say you take their price, XG minutes or what, I mean, I guess that's what all those algorithm people mm -hmm. do more or less, right? It's an interesting way to approach it, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm not necessarily suggesting that the best way is to figure out what stats you think are the most important and then just buy whoever you know fits the stats correctly it's right. just to decide in advance how you want to make the decision before you mm -hmm. know what that method is going to end up telling you to do 
Yeah. Um, if yeah, you know, I mean, if it has it that you're buying James Ward Prowse or something, then you might be like, oh, I don't, I don't know yeah. about that method. Um, so you go maybe back and forth between the player and the method, and maybe that tells you you need to tweak the method a little bit. Right. Um, I think something that's coming to mind for me now is that idea we've talked about in years past about like consistency of approach as FPL manager, right? Like you pick the explosive high risk, high reward type players who, or you pick the ticker, like JWP Mm -hmm. players versus, you know, sun or whatever, right? Players who can go on barren stretches, but can also spike. I mean, do you kind of, is that sort of what you're doing, deciding in advance by like, I'm, I pick the high risk reward players. That's my metric. And I'm going to do that as consistently as possible because over the long run, that'll even out and be, be okay. Or do you still need to sort of balance that? Or is that too narrow and, and simplistic or reductive? No, I think there's many situations in which we have the opportunity to make these decisions. So we have the player specific ones and then we have the, what's the best sort of overall way of approaching this game. Um, and even within that, if you say the best overall way of approaching the game is to try to get the highest score, well, is buying the high risk, high reward players or buying the tickers going to give me the highest score? And I'm not sure that conversation is settled. Um, what's a mistake is to decide. I think that the guys who tick over and are just reliable every week um, are the best guys to get. And then you watch a game and you see, um, you know, someone score a hat trick who's new to the league on a promoted team. And you're like, oh man, this guy's exciting. I'm going to get him. (laughs) Um, Because then you're going against what you decided was the best method. And you haven't decided, ah, that that isn't the best method after all. You're just ignoring your earlier decision because you got excited about someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose, I mean, FPL and self-loathing are you know, bedfellows and if you allow them to be right. But it's, it is, I, you know, what you're talking about, right? We sit here, people that are listening to this podcast a month before fucking ball is kicked and, you know, perseverating over, you know, the Liverpool friendly that happened today. If like Darwin's back on the menu, right? It's really just about knowing why you're doing these things and just committing, right? Because there's nothing wrong with you getting excited for, you know, Nathan Tella on Burnley scoring a brace and against City in the first game week and buying him. As long as you don't bitch and moan and, you know, turn up like a little fucking whiny bitch about it, right? Yeah. And another another way of thinking about this is before you look at the result of the Liverpool friendly, before you look at the lineup or anything, think to yourself, what am I going to do depending on how this turns out. So if it if it turns out that Darwin is starting, what's that going to tell me? If it turns out that Darwin isn't starting, if I watch it and Darwin looks terrible, what will I do? Um, because if we don't decide in advance how we're going to react and we don't consider what the possible outcomes might be, we can tend to get taken along by, you know, oh, Darwin's in the starting lineup. He looks good. Great yeah. movement. I'm going to buy him. Whereas... If we think about it objectively beforehand, we might think, you know, this is a a first friendly against a terrible team. um, And I don't expect Gakpo to start because he's not ready. So it's not really going to tell me anything. Um, So we should decide before we look at some of these early results, what we're going to do, depending on what we might see. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a way of keeping your feet on the ground and not getting carried away with one or two voices who might be getting carried away, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, you know, we've done some like very inconsistently think about, okay, it's Champions League. Like, what would have to happen for me to buy Mo or something, Mm -hmm. right? Minimum brace. Like, he has to fucking destroy them and look fit and blah, blah, blah. I always, though, I will see that or I'll tell myself that. And then mm-hmm. 20 minutes in, I'm like, oh, he missed a big chance. Like, oh, but he's getting big chances. Exactly. So, <laughs> right. So what is that? I mean, is that fucking insane or is that just inevitability of the emotional aspect or the humanness or like, what, I yeah. mean, how do you explain this? Like, it's That's a madness. Exactly. Yeah. You want, you want to buy Mo. And so you throw out your original criteria because you're excited about Mo. So is the thing to learn from there just to, like I'm again, I mean, I, it's hard to not personalize this because I can't speak yeah. for, you know, people at large, but like, for me, it's like, is it sort of de-escalating my, my expectation, knowing myself in that way? Like I could maybe hold myself to a higher standard when team sheets come out of like, okay, well, I thought he would start and this is what I want to see. But then once the actions happen and the 90 minutes is over, that's a completely different thing. Like, so is that like, how do you actually take that and move yourself forward. The the ideal thing to do is exactly what you did minus the changing your mind at the end. So it's it's saying if, if, if he that, gets man. a brace, then I'm going to buy it. If he doesn't get a brace, then I'm not. And then following through with it. Um it's also okay to say, look, if he if he doesn't seem like he's limping, I'm going to buy yeah. it because <laughs> I it's love okay the guy. To, and yeah. if he's not injured, he's in my team. Yeah. That's he gets fine two too. Assists. I'm like, I didn't specify brace of goals. Like, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> So I think the the only bad thing is to decide on what you think is the best evidence and then change your mind for no good reason afterwards. (laughs) Well, for emotion. That's the reason. To let your emotion... Yeah, that's interesting. And emotion might be a good reason in some context, but I'm not sure it's a good reason. Yeah. I mean, this isn't, you know, finding a romantic partner. I mean, this is picking name faceless things on the screen right clicking i mean the they might turn out to be your romantic partner but it's oh, unlikely hey, you know? it's unlikely <laughs> you don't want to know what i think about when i got my hand you know okay anyway okay, yeah. okay. If, so, if solid takes off his shirt i'm picking him. <laughs> yeah if ozil comes out of retirement and gets into the premier league i'm picking him <laughs> oh man so so what else you know what other hits do you would you like to kind of touch on i mean there's so many to choose from here yeah so what about the idea that it's, um, well, I'll say, I'll say the phenomenon first, and then I'll say how I think about it in FPL. Um, so there's this idea of an endowment effect. When something is yours, you value it more highly than when it's not yours. Um, so if you give people in a psychological study, if you hand them something and then you ask them, you know, how much can I pay to get that from you? They'll cite a much higher number than if you say, um, how much would you like to buy this for? from me. Um, so if, if they already own it, they think it's worth more than if they have to buy it from you. So I think this happens in FPL, right? We, we get these limited number of transfers. We spend a lot of time thinking about them. We make the decision, we bring the player in. And the last thing we want to do <laughs> is transfer the player out the next week, <laughs> unless they get injured. Um, because now they're, they're ours. We've made the right decision. And so they just need some time to come good. Um, 
And I think it's really interesting to think about the context in which it makes sense to transfer a player out that you've just brought in and, and when it doesn't. Um, there's certainly something to the idea of not just allowing one week to you know, sway your decision-making. Uh, on the other hand, there's also something to admitting that you might have been wrong <laughs> and made a mistake and not getting too caught up in the fact that you made a mistake and then continuing to go with it. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, you know, I referenced this on our pod, but I was in with my my buddy, my Arsenal Australian friend, and we talked about soccer and FPL a lot. He hasn't played for a couple of years, but he had one year where he finished like 2K or something. And, you know, I was just asking him, like, what was, how is he do? how did he do that? And he said, like, in so many words, basically, like, he knew he didn't know a lot you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? He's not like Sven Mislintat or something. Like, he's just watching games. But he said if a, pl- like a player went off it for two weeks, like, he would just transfer them out. And he was just like, I don't really know why or what, but, like, that seemed to have worked that year. Like, two games, it's hot or cold finishing. Like, it is that, what it felt like it was that much of a knife edge in general. And, like, he was just hopping on all the bandwagons. Whoever's hot, whoever everyone's bringing in, you know, just see, you know, and sometimes that works for two months, and sometimes it works for four games. Sometimes it doesn't work for two. And then you're like, okay, like, Almiron, you know, okay, had four goals in four games, bring him in two blanks, he's out, you know, or he goes, continues that on. I mean, what do you, what do you, how do you kind of receive that? Like, is that nuts or is that like somewhat reasonable? Or It seems reasonable if, if you think that sort of two weeks is a, is a good guide to how the yeah. player is going to do in, in the next week or the next two weeks. Um, you might think, though, I'm not going to do that if it's a game against Man City or Arsenal. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would just think in the abstract, whatever you have decided on as as what you think is the best method, then don't make excuses for the player who blanks two weeks in a row, but you really want to keep because you love them. Yeah, um, yeah and then I guess that goes back into some cost, right? Where right. you're thinking, like, back to what you were previously talking about of, you know, you own it, you think it's more expensive than the thing you're going to pay for, right? Just because you own it doesn't mean that it's inevitable to that you made the right thing. I mean, we want to think we're right, right? That's that's yeah. what we're trying to accept. You know, we will make the wrong decision in this regard countless times in FPL. And I guess it's just the quicker we realize that, the quicker we kind of divorce ourselves from the bad outcomes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sunk cost fallacy is interesting because I, I find, at least for myself, a player that I've brought in on wildcard, I'm much more willing to sell than a player that I actually spent a transfer on. <laughs> oh, so, really? You know, okay. I have these so like have limited stock of transfers. Yeah. So it's like, I yeah. brought in a bunch of guys. One of them didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to transfer him out. But if I like spent a transfer, I took someone out of my team to put this guy in, then I don't want to get rid of him because that would be to admit that I wasted this really scarce resource. resource. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because you, I guess it is like the time spent on the individual versus, well, you, you can't spend the same amount of time on all mm-hmm. four, 15 spots. So yeah, you're going to asso- have a greater association with the individual transfer than the wild card. Yeah. That's interesting. And yeah. I I view the transfer as a more scarce resource that I spent than I do one of the 15 spots on one of my two wild cards. Mm-hmm. Well, what about hits? What's your, how do you, how do you see hits 
in general. Um, man, I love taking hits <laughs> because <laughs> I, I feel like I'm getting ahead of the game. But objectively, I think it's it's a bad idea. <laughs> bad idea. Uh, I, for the most part, um, hits have gone poorly for me. I haven't made. I, I could have just made the transfer the next week. Um, so yeah, I don't really know how to think about a general hit strategy and then when to apply particular situations to that strategy. Yeah. I mean, Almost something... all of my hits have been emotional. I just really want someone. And the only That's way I can That's why they're called hits. It hits. <laughs> so you want the hit. It's an emotional hit. It's not like, they're not yeah, it's called like a like, drug. Yeah. They're not called like extra decision, like in the game for, you know, where you're like, well, should I, should I make an extra decision this week? It's like, no, I'm fucking hit. Hit me, baby. Oh, I'm going to start um, calling them extra decisions in my head and see if that changes things. See how that goes. Um, I mean, something I've been kind of playing around, I think, with the game and the evolution of just where the league is with hits is that, there are just like more points in the game every year, right? Like the mm-hmm. overall point total of the winner of FPL or like your total that keeps going up and the hits stay the same, baby. <laughs> so there has to be some tipping point where it's like there are more goals in the league. We're better at picking players. I don't, I don't know what it is where like that four point. I mean, we might not have reached it yet, but that, that mm-hmm. four point lack of update in the game of like, is this worth four points? Like, should we revisit this? Put it on the ICT index, you know, however towers would do it. I'm sort of feeling like that might be changing or has been changing over the last year or two because, I mean, people are taking minus eights, taking minus 12s in single game weeks and coming out plus 20 sometimes. I don't know. So I don't know. That's just something that I've, like, we've, you know, we've, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but it's really hard to, to pin it on something. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting phenomenon that hits have become less bad <laughs> as yeah. there are there are i mean i think part of the reason is that the the distance between the top teams and the bottom teams have gotten yeah. so much greater that yeah. if you don't have holland or if you don't have kane and kane's playing southampton or something you you might want to take a minus 12 this year. Uh, <laughs> won't have that problem this year thank god this year. yeah yeah but yeah minus 12 right but how much of that is like, cause even that, like that's how we've all been there. Everyone mm-hmm. is talking about like, holy shit. How do you not have Kane and captain him home Southampton? Like that's in generally not a good like piece of information to put your stake on. Right. I mean, then there's that element of like, when am I supposed to trust the process and say the course mm-hmm. versus react, I guess. Right. Which is back to all of this shit that we're talking about. Yeah. But there, there's again, another situation in which I don't know the answer. Um, I just, I just think that if you decide what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to rotate among these five players so that I can captain who's ever playing a bottom three team plus Nottingham Forest or something. Um, and I'm going to do that no matter what. So Sala braces, um, I'm still going to take him out and, and get Bruno so that I can captain Bruno against Luton or something. Luton, yeah. Um, even if then Salah does brace, you should follow through with that if you think that that's the best thing. What you shouldn't do is change your mind because of what happens in the moment. Yeah. Like that is the impossibility because you're predetermining your actions mm-hmm. based on that logic and reason. Logic and reason is wrong sometimes. Like, this isn't a dead cert, right? We can, like, form matters. You know, players do go ice cold, and they do, 
you know, the, the player in the tougher fixture who's playing better outperforms the player in the easier fixture who's playing worse on October 10th. You know, so I mean that that mm-hmm. to me is like how staunch and like rigorous and ruthless are you with like this is what I'm doing. I don't give a fuck. Versus like I'm going to be flexible. You know, I thought flexibility I, is good, right? You know, I'm going to be fu- <laughs> just be flexible in this, right? Yeah, I mean, you can factor form into your logic and reasoning, and you can factor flexibility. <laughs> you oh, can say okay. I'm, I'm going to take out Sala next week for Bruno unless, unless yes, Sala scores a brace. You're speaking uh, my language now. Or and any brace. It can be yellow cards or assists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two, if he does two of anything. Yeah. Interesting. But, so it's, I mean, it's, it's trying it's, to preempt that, getting ahead, yeah. get ahead of it. It seems to me like if you think that emotion leads you astray when playing FPL, then the more decisions you can make in advance before the emotions happen, the more likely you are to be able to follow the path that you've decided is the best path um, before yeah. the emotion kicks in. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, and this is sort of the time where that exists for us is like, you know, the few weeks before preseason games start and we get clouded with disasters again. And after the prices come out where it's like, I mean, I'm something you said that is keeps resonating for me is like that first draft. Like mm-hmm. the first real team, when you sit down, and you just make your team. Like, what is it? You know, I mean, that's really what comes from you when you first see the prices, if you do that, right? I mean, I, some mm-hmm. people don't. Some people solve their auto-pick team, fine. But, you know, and then they consume all the things and they're processing it and then they put it on the screen. But, yeah, yeah, I don't I know. Think- I mean, what do you do? What do you do in that? Do you make a team? Like, do you get the game out and you're like, oh, like, click, 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 here's my team, and then you go eat a sandwich? or um, I auto-pick. And then I tell myself, I'm just going to leave this auto pick until one week before the season because it's dumb to set. So as soon as I get a team down on, on the screen and I click save, then that's my team. And those are my guys and they're the best guys. And I don't want any other guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I every time I've done that, I end up going into the season with something very much like that first draft team that happened before any preseasons and before transfers and all that stuff. Um, but tinkering is really fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and so I end up making a team. And what I'm what I have done this year, <laughs> or what I'm going to do this year, is own Pickford for 38 game weeks. <laughs> n- next week, I'm going to um, make the cheapest team that I can and save that team. So just all the 4.0 and 4.5 guys. So that when I come back to it later, um, I don't feel like I have to keep any of those guys. And I can approach it with a a fresh mind based on what I think the evidence is telling me. Rather than, I I don't think that having picked a team uh, in mid-July is good evidence that that's the best team when the season's actually starting. Yeah, But I I count it as evidence somehow. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, I mean, we, you can again choose your own narrative here to believe or tell yourself whatever story. Like, is your initial instinct at the best time to, to versus like, it's going to be two weeks before the season, like you're saying, where I can take more information and refine what my initial instinct was, maybe. And like, that's the point where I'm going to pick my best, be my best self. My best FPL manager self is going to be at this time. So I'm going to do it then. And yeah, that's an interesting thing to consider and just think about, you know, our, as ourselves, like when we pick the team and how we get married to them and things like that. 
Yeah, I think at that time is when we have the most evidence. So if we're trying to go with the decision that has the most amount of evidence behind it, then um, that's the best time to do it. What I find when I go and look at my team two weeks before the season is instead of thinking which are the best five guys to bring in in my midfield, I'm thinking, should I swap out Rashford for, um, say, Eze, who's had a brilliant preseason? Um, so it really, I really should be approaching it as who, who deserves this midfield slot, but I'm already thinking that Rashford deserves it and I'm considering replacing him when really at the beginning of the season, it's empty. And it's the same with the wild card, right? I wish that in a wild card, you could just like blank everyone for a long time and then approach it as new. Um, I find it much harder when I'm wild carding to go through this mindset because, um, you know, you potentially lose so much team value if you get rid of someone that you end up wanting to bring back in. Um, and so you have to keep them there and there's no way to avoid this, to avoid this endowment effect. Yeah. Well, I guess even just using the word deserve in that mm-hmm. was interesting, right? We're not saying yeah. earned, you know, it's like right. <laughs> we're basing our history with this, with Rashford is like, oh yeah, like oh, it's Rashford, you know, he gets, you know, he helps the poor he's just got an extension. Like he was great. Like, he, he just, it's good. He could, earned it for 0% from the way preseason starts to the way preseason ends. Or you tell yourself, well, preseason doesn't matter. It's not a data point. Actual Mm -hmm. not a data point. We just want fitness. That's it. You know, so then it comes back to, you know, how are you evaluating and and all of that? I mean, this is just, we could be doing this for... This is, it's it's so interesting too, because (laughs) decision theory tells us that if something is evidence for something else, then... It not happening is evidence against the thing. So think about it this way. If at the end of preseason, Rashford's had a brilliant preseason, if you would say that's good evidence that Rashford's going to do well this season, um, then Rashford having a bad preseason is evidence that he won't do well this season. But we tend to only do it one way. So this is sometimes called heads I win, tails we're even. (laughs) So if it's a good thing, then yes, it's for us. If it's a bad thing, ah, it didn't matter anyway. I mean, now it's like my three-year-old, like when we do things like, yeah, he wins or it doesn't matter. Yeah, or the game is a tie. It was stupid anyway. Why did we even do that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So if Rashford has a great preseason, that's good evidence. If Rashford has a bad preseason, then preseason doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Simple. Simple as that. Um, all right. Well, we're getting up against it with time. Do you, do you have anything else, you know, that you want to kind of make sure that we, we get on to, or how are you, how are you feeling? Um, I, so we talked about one strategy for trying to counteract the bias, which is deciding in advance, um, what you're going to consider as evidence and where you're going to look and things like that. Um, another is to, before you look for that evidence to consider, um, what well even even after the evidence consider how you would have acted if the evidence had gone the opposite way so if you say want to bring in rashford and you're looking at xg and rashford has a terrible xg um consider how you would have reacted if he'd had a good xg if you would Mm -hmm. think oh that that's really good for him then you should think that having a bad xg is bad for him um Suppose you're trying to not buy someone, like you. You really don't want to buy um, Rashford, Ollie Watkins, or no. He got. He got to want to buy Rashford. He deserves it. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's feeding the poor man. They're kids. Um, so, 
if it's, yeah, if it's Ollie Watkins and you, you don't want to buy him, but you're like, I should check him out. Um, and he has an, a certain XG. You might think to yourself, what if he had a better one? What if he had a worse one? How would I react to, tr- to try to figure out how much you really care about this thing and how much you would change your mind if the evidence went a different direction. So um, sometimes these imaginative exercises of the evidence going in different ways can help you figure out what the actual evidence should mean to you. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting exercise for sure. Or you can also think, suppose someone hates Rashford, how would they try to convince me that the evidence that I'm looking at is actually bad for Rashford? What reasoning Mm -hmm. process would they go through? Um, someone who loves Ollie Watkins, you know, what, what would Walsh tell me about this evidence that I'm getting about Watkins XG and stuff? Yeah. Um, and that can help us, you know, think in ways that we wouldn't ordinarily think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just keeping an open mind, right? I mean, knowing where you're at, knowing why you play the game and trying to figure out how you make your decisions, you know, so that we just feel the illusion that we're in control, even though, it's a simulation. <laughs> well, it's disappointing that in, that's right? what you're taking away at the end of all this. <laughs> just, just spent an hour of my time. <laughs> hey, the black and my soul is not getting scrubbed out in one hour, Brad. You got it. Takes longer but, than that. But I, mean, I think you're one of the more honest people about about the reasoning process that you engage in, and I think you're pretty transparent about that on the podcast. And people aren't thinking that you're going back and checking all these stats and everything. You're like, I love this guy. <laughs> I'm bringing FPL's more fun if he's in my team. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I definitely play the game emotionally, and I like that, and I'm going to continue that. But I will. I also this all of this is stimulating to me, so I love thinking about some new concepts and thinking about different approaches of how to process information and then ignore it all and, you know, get rest. <laughs> get rest. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, rest, I have plenty of time. <laughs> Dude, I have a fucking month. I have plenty of time to do all this and then, you know, bomb back and rest mm-hmm. in at the, you know, the day of the deadline <laughs> when I'm DMing Alon fucking nonstop, like, Baraz, Baraz, Baraz. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've, I've objectively uh, decided that I should not have Raz. Yeah. That, that's good. I'm, I'm glad I did that. Now I'm bringing yeah, in Raz. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I love talking to you. I mean, this was super enjoyable. I hope you had some amount of fun, as much fun as I did talking about it. And I hope, you know, I hope you guys listening, you know, take little bits and bobs or pieces from, from this. Um, any any final any last words? No, I've I've said all my words. All right, Doctor Rettler, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah. I don't remember how you end this pod, Alon. You should check us out. See you next time. Follow us on Twitter at FML FPL. We got you too. We're ready for for my retirement. We're just bringing in. All right, but thanks a lot. Take care. Sure. Podcast Network.